This episode of the Golden Mike Podcast is brought to you by iWake.com. Check out www.iwake.com for breaking news, articles, and exclusive videos. Thanks again to iWake.com. And now, it's showtime. He's been the voice of wakeboarding for over a decade. His vocal tones have narrated Toad Water Sports' biggest and most prestigious events in the world. With over 25 years on the water experience, charisma, and command of his audience, Noise of the North brings you the Golden Mike Podcast with Dano the Mano. Welcome, everybody, to the Golden Mike Podcast. I'm the Noise of the North, Dano the Mano, and now it's time for some audio sunshine. Once again, we're coming at you from sunny Orlando, Florida, the mecca of all things wake. And for those of you not familiar with me or what I do, I've been called an entertainer, an idea man, sometimes even a positive influence. And for the last decade, I've been lucky enough to travel the United States and every now and then hop, skip, and a jump internationally while announcing the biggest events in toad water sports, wakeboarding, water skiing, and more. This podcast is based off the lake lifestyle, the love of toad water sports. Twice a month, I'll be chatting it up with the industry's top names, past and present, athletes, and the people behind the scenes who make this world on the water spin. This audio podcast is brought to you twice monthly for free on the first and third Wednesday of each and every month both on iTunes and at noiseofthenorth.com. To keep this podcast no charge, I'd like to thank the sponsors of the show, iWake.com, Woodrow's, Jammy Pack, Performance Ski and Surf, Hungry Boards, SUP, and GoPuck. Be sure to check out the sponsor link on noiseofthenorth.com to help support and to find special offers and deals from the people who helped me make this show happen. More ways to support. Please subscribe to the Golden Mike Podcast free on iTunes and be sure to rate and review the show. Also, follow my personal Instagram at Dano T. Mano and both Twitter accounts at the Dano T. Mano and at the Golden underscore Mike. Feel free to contact me with any questions or comments through the Golden Mike Facebook page or Email me at goldenmike at noiseofthenorth.com. By the time you all hear this episode, the 2015 wake season will have begun. This past weekend, I announced the first stop at the Performance Ski and Surf Gravel Tour in Orlando. And as usual, the top up-and-coming names in the sport were on hand, as well as some amazing amateurs out there just to have a little bit of fun. The Outlaw Division, which is usually filled up with the top junior pro riders, was a little bit small at this first stop, but the riding was still absolutely amazing, and we saw a ton of advanced riders and a really good amount of girls out on the water as well. The following day, March 22nd, was the Malibu Boats and WWA Pro Card Qualifier. I had a good time hanging and helping out, and most of the top names were out there trying to earn their pro card. Sam Carnes from England won the event. I took some photos at both events, and you can check those out in my photo and word features called The Noise at www.iwake.com. 
as always, I'm looking forward to today's guest. He's a past two-time world champion, among many other titles he has won along the way. He's a veteran of over a decade and has traveled the world because of wakeboarding. He's from North Florida, which is where he started his career, and after a decade in Central Florida, just a few years ago, he moved back home to Panama City, Florida. Andrew Atkinson's with me on the Golden Mike podcast, and we got a lot to talk about. Andrew's a hard worker and a great champion. He's now repping for a major brand and his longtime sponsor while still competing at some contests and working a bit as an official within the sport as well. Over the last five years or so, Andrew and I have become way better friends. In my opinion, when he was younger, he was really focused on contests and I liked to party. His and my paths didn't cross much with the exception of at events, but he's always been a great guy. And I'm glad to have grown to become real friends with Andrew over the past few years. He's always a good dude to talk to and uh, throw back a cold one with. And I'm stoked to have him here on the Golden Mike podcast. Andrew's pretty much earned everything he's ever gotten in this sport. And I hope you all get to learn a little bit more about the guy I like to call Double A, the All-American, Andrew Atkinson. And we'll be right back with Andrew after this quick plug from our sponsor. Nothing's better than paddling with friends and enjoying a day on the water. And that's why you need to check out Hungry Boards SUP. Hungry Boards go the extra mile and are passionate about their work and the sport of paddle boarding. They strive to create stronger, higher quality boards at a better value. Hungry Boards are designed to provide performance and stability to help keep you hungry for the enjoyment of SUP. Be sure to like them on Facebook and check them out at www.hungryboardssup.com. Hungry Boards, real boards for real people. Welcome to Mikasa. Welcome to the Golden Mike Double A. Great to have you out. Man, I'm excited to be here. This is uh, this is quite the production you have going on and it's going to be uh, fun to be a part of it. Hey, we're doing our best over here at the studio here inside the mini mansion. No doubt. The security getting in the front gate. I mean, I knew I was in for something special. It's funny when you listen to some of the other podcast episodes, unless you already have, you're going to hear some of the other guys talk about the security here oh, really? as well. But hey, it's a beautiful thing, man. I feel safe. I feel safe. You live in a mini mansion. You want to be safe, right? Oh, absolutely. You're a podcast listener yourself, aren't you? As of the last... Probably about eight months, that has become my preferred source of media. And that's not an exaggeration. I mean, every time I'm in my truck, the podcasts I listen to automatically kick on without me having to press play. Yeah, I, I think podcasts are the wave of the future. That's why I'm excited to be the first guy in wakeboarding to have one. I, I absolutely agree, man. I was waiting for someone to do it, and I, I, I'm, I'm glad you have. I don't think there could be a better person. Well, and I do appreciate that. What are you listening to currently on, um, on the podcast app? Uh, the Golden Mike podcast, and that is it. <laughs> are there other I'm, I'm confused are there other ones sure yeah you just gotta oh. search you just gotta oh. search them man i you know i, I we'll get into this later but i started uh repping the southeastern territory for conley cwb um which is a number of states and on those eight hour drives i mean i i literally instead of listening to music we'll just listen to different podcasts and you can mix it up that entire time with entertaining stuff funny stuff i mean serious stuff educational stuff and i really have a huge mix of that so it's a it's a bit of an eclectic mix, uh, and yours is at the top of it. But uh, I I think it'd be really tough to choose a second favorite. 
behind the Golden Mike podcast. But if I had to choose a second favorite, it would be 99% Invisible. But it's kind of a toss up with the Tim Ferriss show as well. So first of all, I'm going to say this. I know I'm at the top of your list because I'm probably the most recent podcast that you subscribe <laughs> to. That's, but, <laughs> that's technically correct. Yes. Um, and I listened to the Grub episode and it was great. Yeah, it was, it was, that was a really fun episode. Here's the thing. I also listen to a lot of different podcasts also. And I started, my first podcast was actually a wrestling podcast, the Colt Cabana podcast. And he was just like me. He's the first, um, first guy in his sport in wrestling to have a podcast. And now guys like Stone Cold Steve Austin, Diamond Dallas Page, and the list just goes on with, with uh, Chris Jericho, so many wrestlers. I don't know if you know anything about wrestling, but... I, I do, and I think I noticed Steve Austin's podcast is like on the top 50. Yeah, the it's, popular charts. it's pretty popular. I also listen to The Nerdist with uh, Chris Hardwick. I also, I also listen to WTF with Mark Marin. That's another good one. And but both of those. I was listening to The Nerdist as I pulled into your driveway. I mean, I've kind of become hooked on podcasts now. And... What about Pauly Shore? You listen to him? Oh, this is big for me. Yeah, Polly Shore's got one called Interested. What? Yeah, it's it, that's great news. Yeah, I, I'm a huge Polly Shore fan. I always have Guess, been. Me, me too. What was that movie that say it's a love or hate? You either love it or hate it. But son in law, son in law. Yeah, course. and I was on. I, I loved it. Yeah, of course. Well, I can tell because you knew the name of it. Yeah, <laughs> I said loved past tense. Hey, lost so, love. So talk about <laughs> talk about your new job with Con, well, CWB Conley Skis. It's not a new job. You've been with them for, well, you've, you've been a rider for them for years, but now you're actually repping for the company. You're going around, you're selling product. Yeah, you know, it's, gosh, I've been with Conley since, or Conley, CWB. I, I, you know, for 10 years, I would say CWB because I was on the CWB side of it exclusively. Um, but since 2003. So, I mean, we're over 12 years that I've, I've been with this company and with this crew and largely the same group of people. I mean, the same engineers, the same guys have, you know, climbed the ladder and now the VP and the head of marketing, this and that. And they're just, I, I'm as passionate about the, 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 the people that work there as I am the, the products that, you know, that I'm a, that I'm a part of. And, uh, yeah. So I started uh, repping for those guys in July and it's, it's, it's been great. You know, I was coming out of a knee injury. Uh, finally blew an ACL. So I finally can call myself a legit wakeboarder. I was pretty excited when that happened. And, uh, you know, while I was going through the rehab process, we started talking, we knew it was going to be 10 months off before I was a threat at a tournament. And being that I'm already 30 ish years old, that's, you know, there's, there's like a standard deviation on 30 ish. That could be, that could be 33. That could be 27, you know, who knows? Oh, I know all about that. <laughs> so now that I'm 30 ish, you know, that, uh, that role became available. Zane Schwank, who has been an absolute ambassador, not just at that company, but really for the sport. I mean, a legend award. I mean, it, just everything. Uh, if I started listing him off, then we'd be talking about that the entire time. But his he was the Conley CAB rep in the Southeast prior, and his role with Mastercraft expanded to include all of Texas, and he needed to be exclusive with uh, Mastercraft. And the role, you know, the, the spot became available, and I just, you know, it was kind of dive in head first. Here you go. You know, the end of June, I'm just a guy, you know, just a, just a, a wakeboarder, so to speak. And, you know, July 1st, it was, you know, right into the repping world. So what are your states? What's your territory? That would be Florida, Georgia, Alabama, Tennessee, and the Carolinas. So that's, there's a lot of shops that you're covering right there. Yeah. Yeah, there are. But what's been interesting, you know, I, I just, I just kind of described it like it was this jarring transition, but I'm reconnecting with people that I've ridden with 
and been friends with and hung out with for years. You know, this is the area that I'm from. The, the territory is the territory I would drive just out of high school to find a boat to ride behind. Uh, so it's really, it's, it's, it's been cool. Has it been a busy winter? How is the boat show season for you? Well, let's just say that I'm glad the on-water season's here now. But the boat show season was great. It's, uh, you know, it's good to see everybody. And I, I did about, about a dozen boat shows and, you know, had a great time with it. And, uh, but I'm, I'm glad it's uh, time to go play on the water now. Do you, the boat shows feel different as a rep than they do as an actual rider representing the brand? Yes, you know that that won't surprise me. That's interesting. You would you would think to ask that. I, uh, I mean, my buddies are still there because I am still competing. You know, I'm still going to compete quite a bit. We can talk about that uh, later. But you know, I'm still seeing the guys like you know JD and Phil and all the guys right there at the boat shows. So part of me just goes over and bros out for 20 minutes. I'm like, whoa, whoa, I got to go back and schlep some fiberglass. What? Am I? <laughs> I'm not just here to bro down, you know. But I'll tell you what, the the boat shows actually go by a lot quicker. I find myself staying there at nine o'clock at night and the boat show's over, you know, they announce it and you're kind of like, oh wow, how'd that happen? Because you're, you're constantly engaged. It's, it's more of a kind of a defined role instead of a writer kind of hanging out at the booth. And it, it really has made it more enjoyable with those occasional 20 minute breaks to bro down with your boys. Yes. You were there to sell boards when you were just a rider and there right. to sell boats, but there's no secret that in the past years, it's not as if uh, the company's really told you exactly what you needed to be doing when you were there. You know, you see so many times you go to a boat show and it's like, ah, oh, they probably, this brand probably could have picked a better guy to come out and represent the brand. You know, you're there to, to sell product, but some riders are sitting over at the bar drinking beers, having a, having a good time. They think it's a vacation. Yeah. You know, I, I, I came into even my professional wakeboarding, traveling with a sales rep. I wasn't officially a sub rep, but now when I look back at it and I actually know what this role is defined, really, I was this guy's sub rep and it was in the same territory. I mean, I'm going to the same dealers 12 years later, no, gosh, 14 years later that I walked in with as like a kid just trying to bum a ride on your boat, you know, but I could stick around and do clinics and, and, and I would help him sell product too. So I actually came into this with a footing that was based in sales, honestly. And so it's really just kind of a natural, natural progression. You're not one of those guys whose parents were able to just throw money at you. You had you had to work to get your rides, from what I understand. I mean, you you didn't just have uh, disposable income just to throw in, into gas money. You had to personally work for all the gas you're putting into boats. You know, in, in fact, when I first started riding, some of the people I would ride with wouldn't even allow me to pay gas money. And this was back when it was, a, you know, a dollar a gallon, too. You know, like, okay, we know you're in high school and you're going full-time, we got you, you know? And I think what I, what maybe was lacking in financial resources was more than made up for with just being kind of surrounded by good people. And in Panama City, Florida, I mean, there are just, there's a lot of good people in that area. And there's also some amazing lakes. I mean, they, they look like the Gulf of Mexico, white silicon sand, crystal clear water. And a lot of my friends would have places up there and they would have a 1985 Mastercraft or a, you know, a, a, some sort of wave runner or, or something of the sort. And we just kind of go behind anything and everything that we could. But uh, no, my folks, uh, they, they did have a boat, but it was a fishing boat and, and somehow has the smallest wake I've ever seen in my life. I think my pop still has that same boat. And it's just, it's, it, it's probably an amazing slalom ski boat, but it's, uh, you know, it's, uh, I, I rode behind it less than a handful of times. Uh, so no, no, I didn't have a, a boat growing up. And it was really, if the career was going to happen, it was kind of on me from the get go. Talk about your first wakeboarding experience. How did how did it happen? How did you hit the water? How did you start riding sideways? 
Yeah, growing up in a coastal community, yeah, gosh, everyone's a waterman up there. You know, everybody spends time around the water. And most of that's the Gulf of Mexico and the bays. And uh, But there are all these amazing amount of lakes. But it was really going out to the kind of the golf to the golf and skimboarding, surfing. But on the Gulf Coast, you find yourself waiting for waves. When they come, they can be really great. But uh, you find yourself waiting for waves. And I played every other sport growing up. But it's kind of natural deal during the summer to go hang out at the lakes. And I saw someone doing it. I had kneeboarded it. I tubed. I just goofed around the water. You know, lake days, playing around on any anything that you could be dragged behind on a boat, we, we'd done. Not with any sort of skill or consistency, but we just kind of had done it and, and loved it. And I saw someone wakeboarding. And this was back in the days. This was a very much a directional board. Uh, but I saw them jump wake to wake, which, you know, I think on a 1982 ski nautique, and it looked like they just took off. I mean, it looked like they were 15 feet in the air. Uh, and I was, I was hooked from the second I first ever saw it. And I go, I actually flagged them down. The person I was with that had the lake property is a, still a buddy of mine. We flagged them down and said, Hey, I got to try that. And they let me hop on and give it a go. What were some of the struggles being a wakeboarder up there in North Florida? If, if there were any struggles. No, there certainly were. I think it was just trying to, I think the struggles with being a wakeboarder in North Florida were, although you have these amazing bodies of water everywhere. Um, and these wonderful lakes, it's just matching up schedules with the people that had the boats, you know, cause at that time it was very limited who had, uh, boats in general, much less ski boats. And I, I think it was just trying to find the water time. And, and I was in high school and I lived 40 miles from these lakes. So before I started driving, I couldn't even get to them unless my sister wanted to go too. And fortunately, when I was about 15 years old, you know, before I could drive, my sister was a couple years older and she kind of started to like wakeboarding. So I would just tag along, you know, which she wasn't necessarily thrilled about, but she was always happy to, you know, I think she was actually thrilled about it. Uh, but I would hop rides with my sister out to that same lake where I first saw it and first tried it. Uh, so I think the struggles were just with accessibility. You know, I think the only reason why people don't do it enough now, you know, is just, is just getting to it. But the good thing is we do have those lakes everywhere in Panama City and, and, and good people. I mean, it blew me away after I'd been wakeboarding for about a decade and I was out in California and I stopped on a dock in Canyon Lake and I walked down with a wakeboard and flagged boats down to come pick me up. I didn't know anybody at that point and, and nobody picked me up. I'm like, what kind of plate? What? You don't pick up somebody on the dock if they want to ski? You kind of have this reputation. I've read a lot about it and maybe I heard you talk about it in the past, but when you were younger, just waiting down at the dock, just waving boats down to come pull you around. Obviously, there's some merit behind it, some truth behind it, but how much of the time that you were riding were you actually waving people down to pull you? I mean, that was the first time I ever rode was because of that technique, waving somebody down. But I, I gosh, I bet it was a third of the time. We'd have these half days in high school, and I could start to ride more when I, when I got a car in high school, and I could drive to the lakes, and I could kind of create my own schedule. But we'd have these half days, and if my buddies were going fishing instead, I was the guy left that wanted to go wakeboarding. So I'd, you know, bail on my friends, go to Deer Point Lake, the public lake there in Panama City, and post up on the dock and wait for somebody that was dragging anything behind their boat. And I think fortunately, it was early enough in the sport to where if you could get off the water, you know, people were, were happy to watch. So, Who were some of the first people that you wakeboarded with? And maybe not necessarily famous people, famous riders, but some of, the, some of your crew. Oh, I only wakeboarded with famous people. Right, right. <laughs> I know there's I know there's some famous names up there in, in uh, Panama City. Uh, the Dude. Oh, Devin the Dude. Devin the Dude. Devin the Dude. Oh, ah. my gosh. I'm going to see Devin actually on the uh, 
the fifth, and Devin is actually Devin Rogers. Yeah, Devin Rogers. He made a big push on the junior pro tour and even did some pro events. He did two pro events and finished top 20 in both of them. You know, but for him, it was the timing. He was a little bit older. It was career was starting to take off. He's a firefighter EMT versus, you know, this wakeboarding thing, which is, it's, uh, it can, it can be tricky. But what's been great is now, and I'm totally not answering your question, going off on a tangent, but I'm going to come back to it. You know, Devin Rogers is coming back into the sport. And this is something actually very worth mentioning. He did a, uh, uh, a CPR training day a couple weeks ago sure. with all the guys out of Kevin Hill Charles plays. Yeah, I think I saw it was that. 12 or 14 people. Alliance is going to post something on it. But, um, you know, you know, and I started talking to Devin about it. And I think, you know, we have these these pro cards and might not might be an OK mandate that if you have a pro card, you also have a CPR. You have to have a CPR card sitting in your wallet next to it. Well, and I think Devin's a good guy to do that because he has the that training and beyond. But he also understands wakeboarding. Very right. Well. I and mean, this exactly. guy can do three different variations of nines still to this day. So, yeah. And that, that came into play a lot with Brad Smela, you know, it was because it was because of a similar situation, you know, Brad and Dean and Chad Sharp, they'd all done the safety certified training, you know, last March. And, and if it weren't for that, then, you know, Brad Smela might not be here with us. And, and it's we already all, saved a life. And we know that there's so much going on over at Henshaw's house. And, we can't just stop the progression of the sport just because somebody gets hurt and Brad would never want it to stop either. But no. if there's anything out of this whole entire situation that Brad wants is for more people to learn how to be safe and to help people in situations. Oh, absolutely. It's a progression, but uh, going about it the right way. And I don't think it's in anyone's nature to, at least any of the guys I've met that ride a wakeboard, guys or girls that ride a wakeboard to, uh, to quit, to quit, you know, to quit pushing forward and learning and trying new things. That's just part of what got any and all of us here and hooked us off in the beginning. Yeah, but it's only responsible, like That's you it. said, to to learn these safety precautions. You know, as a water skier, show skier growing up, we had to do it every single summer, learn how to backboard people. And I remember seeing Murray go down on a KGB, Rap KGB. Rap KGB 5. Yeah, Rap KGB 5 in Atlanta years Never. ago and get knocked out. And I'm watching from the announcer's tower and I felt like, the guys from the boat just they got there so fast but the guys just jumped in and i felt like they didn't really know what to do because the boat got back before our safety guy had gotten back for some for some reason and uh i just like i watched them flip him over and pull him up on the thing and i was like oh if he's got a broken neck that's not how that's supposed to be done you can't see over here, but I was literally cringing when you were saying that because that uh, that moment is seared into my memory. I mean, my palms are sweating right now. And that's only happened like when I skydive and a few other things <laughs> kind of, you know, get me going. But yeah, that, that moment was kind of seared in my memory. You know what? Sean Murray has worn a Coast Guard approved vest every time he's been on the water since then. Yeah, I don't know. We're talking him. about one of the best in the world. I mean, he could go years without a fall like that. And, you know, and he's got, he got me wearing a Coast Guard vest, even if I'm just, messing around at home just you know training for a tournament anything just Absolutely. Uh, taking it basic why not so well, yeah we got off track there for a we second did. we did let me go back to some of the people that i wakeboarded with yeah in panama city because a lot of them i still do yeah and i know those guys are going to want to hear a shout out they on are this episode. they are here come the shout outs don't, um, for, don't forget anybody darren shapiro left andy laz out no, on his episode he left andy laz out oh let, yeah let me just say andy laz is awesome right i'm gonna say that right now and i 
I hope I see that dude while I'm in Orlando for a couple of days here. Yeah. So just to make sure I don't leave any Laz out of this podcast. Yeah, no, Laz is actually helping me create content for the podcast also. He's working behind the scenes, behind the scenes. Beauty. Yeah, it's pretty cool. He's dude, he explains he, all that security at the front gate. Yeah. So who are some of the guys that you wakeboard with? I know I've been up there to your house and I've actually hung out with some of those guys and you've got a wild little crew. Yeah, yeah, we, we really do. And it's, uh, gosh, I mean, Colby Pitts is one of my... Uh, would be the, the first one to come to mind. You know, Colby actually pulled me the first time I stood up on a wakeboard. And when I moved back, he's the guy that most of the time is uh, dragging me around on the lake. Uh, Delbert Osborne was a the first person whose boat I rode behind and rode with for years. I mean, a lot of my foundation tricks I, I learned behind his boat. He's now a cyclist and competitive and, and does a ton of that. But, uh, it you know, Delbert Osborne was someone I absolutely uh, rode with. And he was this, you know, 48 years old he had about 15 inverts 15 different inverts he did and he rode darren shapiro's pro model so you know how he did them you know 15 foot into the flats i mean he you know he didn't you know wake, wake to wake just wasn't something that existed for for him so uh and now there's a younger group of guys there uh, guys there's a younger group of guys and girls there uh like you know tyler goodson and cruz gooding and a number of those that uh are when they're home from college they want to come to the lake you know they're lake rats you know and uh, it's been it's been good to ride with those guys too, and they they actually pushed me as well. You mentioned uh, the lakes a little earlier, a few minutes like a few minutes ago. We were talking, and you'd mentioned how nice the lakes are, but I don't think you really really express how nice the lakes in Panama City are. I think I always have this feeling that you're trying to keep people out of North Florida. Man, you know, yes and yes and no. I think maybe I'm now because it's spring break season down there, and I'm like, this is our town. What are you guys doing? Thanks for keeping our economy going. But what are you doing here? But um, I, I actually, man, I tell people about it all the time, and and not just Panama City, Florida, but like the whole thirty A quadrant through there. You know, you have all these. The coast down there, it's white silicon sand, and crystal clear water. It looks like a swimming pool. Um, and it's beautiful. It's breathtaking. That? Right, it's breathtaking. It really is. I mean, it's it's stunning. And you, you you may have seen it. You may have seen some of the places and some of the beaches in thirty A, like. Seaside, uh, gosh, Grayton Beach, Santa Rosa Beach, all through there's a stretch of from Panama City Beach all the way to Destin, Florida. It really to Pensacola, Florida, that are have to be some of the best beaches in the world. But you asked about lakes. But the reason I brought that up was because our lakes look the same. Uh, you were up there when we were behind on rain for about five years, and one of the lakes was drained, and we went and rode four wheelers in it and winched in the bottom of it, and it was white silicon sand, just like the beach. The bottoms of these lakes. Are just like the beach, uh, and it's their spring fred. They're you know, yeah. So I mean, it's crystal clear water pouring in. I mean, there's really no other like lakes similar to these. And I've been, I've ridden at a few lakes. You look at like the the blue spring or whatever the the blue lake that you see in like Defy and and in um, Prime, and the lakes by and those are I think man made lakes. But yeah, your lakes are those are all natural. Just just so amazing and. I hope to spend a little more time up, up in that area. Oh. And I think everyone should. Anywhere in that 38 quadrant, you're not going to mess up. And just drive north, you're going to hit one of the lakes. Or, you know, reach out and, and hit me up, and I'll make sure to take you out there. But, uh, you know, I, I think you look at it, all of it on the... 38.com does a really good job of showing those lakes, but also showing the coast, showing just a little bit of everything up there. And there's also these... Uh, uh-oh. These are the ones I'm supposed to keep a secret. Uh, but there's 28 lakes like this in the world. And I think 18 to 20 of them are in South Walton County, which is a county just west of Panama City. Uh, 
um, and there are these coastal dune lakes, and it's actually lakes that are held back by sand dunes. But a couple times a year, they'll empty into the Gulf of Mexico. So you have these brackish water lakes that are 30 feet from the Gulf of Mexico, and you kind of get the best of both worlds. I mean, they're just unbelievable. Let's let's drop a boat in there. I I have you'll actually the uh, some of the shots from the CWB uh, team shoot this year were on one of those lakes specifically, and the rest of it was on the lake that I live on. So we got the guys up there last June to uh, do all the 2015 product shoot up there. So you'll see it pop up here and there. Yeah, unfortunately, I don't do the spring break uh, the spring break gig anymore that I used to do. But is that uh, unfortunate or <laughs> I don't know? It, it's it's hard to say. Spring, it's hard to say. Spring break was one of those things. The money was really good, and it was a lot of fun to be out there. But at the end of the day, it was like 30 days of just at the end of the day, just getting nothing done. Wow. You, know? you would do a 30 day run. Yeah. Panama City Beach Spring Break. No, it was like it was like 15 days in Panama City and like 10 days in South Padre, Texas. So yeah, it was always fun when you'd come out and hang out. But hey, one funny thing is nobody's local when you're when you're there for spring break except for the locals the people taking the money and yeah, absolutely so i would always try to drop your name because you're like the only person that i know in panama city beach or in panama city yeah and you're you're kind of like a local ledge you're kind of like a local legend you're kind of famous out that. there i was like did that like get you any traction yeah, and they're probably like, oh yeah, that was that guy who used to surf 16 years ago and then quit all of a sudden. <laughs> Whatever yeah, yeah, happened yeah. to him? <laughs> yeah, I did meet a couple of the of your surfer buddies. Yeah, DJ Beach House, I think, is that right. one guy. But um, but yeah, no, like the locals knew you as the pro wakeboard. I mean, you're you're probably with the exception of Corey Picos and Regina Jake was the well, you are obviously the most famous wakeboarder to ever come out of there. But you're probably like most famous toad water sports uh athlete to ever come out of the area as well you know it definitely has a it's a it's a big small town up there and it's really great and you mentioned uh picos and cory picos over there i mean one of the world class you know three event training centers where you know regina trains trains there and is you know continually breaking her own world records yeah santa rosa beach is oh. right down the street from hungry board stand-up paddleboard exactly. exactly and that's yeah. in that 38 quadrant i was telling you guys about i mean just just great people all through there but, oh yeah those okay. guys that's the salt life though that's not the lake life right that's the salt life over there you know what it's a it's an interesting mix of both i mean it mostly is probably a little more salty because you know everybody's on the coast up there and all the bays but I'm telling you a lot of people pack out everybody knows about picos's place i mean any you know anywhere from 100 miles around there everybody's been there yeah everybody and they stayed there and did a camp when they were a kid or has sent their kids there it's it's pretty cool they i i stopped up there to do a little shred one day with nice. regina and uh and daniel Advarco up there and, i know daniel yeah cool dudes and yes and they were like oh they're like you should have seen it this time you go wakeboarders don't need weight in the boat andrew came out unweighted uh mastercraft 209 and he did everything he knew how to do and it was big and it was smooth and it was perfect it was, yeah, it was big for a uh, ski lake, you know. I might have been trying to show off a little bit too, but yeah. maybe that was part of it. But yeah. uh, I was doing the same thing when yeah, I was there. Perfect. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, no, I actually rode with, with Daniel and I'd watch Daniel and Regina ski and even Renee Jaquist would go out there and, and wake skater, mostly ski or trick. And I'd watch them just kind of be blown away. I'm like, oh gosh, I have called myself an athlete for 10 years. Yeah, they are. These guys are unbelievable. And, uh, and then we, you know, drag out the little, 209 mastercraft and a little small tower on it and i'd go for a rip as well i mean i did that probably a dozen times out there it's a really fun spot to ride or ski any of it good vibe it's good vibe good, good people yeah, good vibe people, exactly. good vibe 
Hey, so let's start talking about your wakeboard career. Uh, you went pro roughly 02, 03, if I remember correctly. Um, 2002 was uh, my rookie year. Was your rookie year. And you did win rookie of the year that I, year. I did. I got rookie of the year in 2002. I uh, only went to half the events. So only events I could get to. You know? Right. Being a sub sub rep for free wakeboarding didn't pay that well. Although it paid exponentially many, many, many times over. And that's a name I didn't mention too, Gary Morrison. He's still a rep in the industry and sure. a great guy. And he's also in the Southeast. So I got to yeah. see him at a lot of my boat shows. But, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, great guy. You know, yeah, I, I, I started halfway through the season in 02. So who was supporting you before your your first season? What what sponsors were out there kind of helping you along the way? Uh, Locos, a Mexican restaurant. They weren't necessarily a sponsor because I had to... Uh, spend about eight hours a day there and hand plates of food to people. So I don't know if you would call them a, a sponsor, but uh, they were, you know, paying the tab. And, uh, but really it would have to be, you know, Gary Morrison. He was a, a, a rep for a board company at the time. And, and if I went on the road and helped out, I'd get all the ride and time I wanted to. And I was meeting other people the road and I was meeting other people in the industry. And it was just, I, I didn't realize I was working, you know, but we would spend three months at a time on the road you know, out there teaching people about the products and riding. Yeah, that first year that you started riding pro was, was really big for you too. If I remember right, you came onto the scene, you gave Ruck, Parks, Danny Harf, Darren Shapiro. I mean, you kind of blindsided everybody. <laughs> you showed up on the scene and literally within, what, three months, you were picked up by three major companies. You know, from my end, I've been slaving away, bumming rides, waiting on docks with a $5 bill in one hand and a board in the other uh, for years at that point. But but really, when it happened, and traveling with Gary Morrison in the Southeast, uh, the, the you know, doing the sales rep and doing the clinic thing, and then Murray, Sean Murray jumped on to that with his backyard tour. And so I got to meet, obviously, Murray is my favorite wakeboarder, still is. Uh, and I got to hop on the backyard tour and help out and do those clinics. That was just kind of my head was just spun. I was like, I can't believe this. Even that would have been a successful run in wakeboarding. That I got to help out with Murray doing clinics for a couple months one summer. Would have been, you know what? I did it. Awesome. Did never expected that to happen. Was Murray the first pro that you kind of met and connected with? No, actually Brian Grubb was. Because Grubb came down. And this is, you know, when he just signed on with Hyperlight and, and started traveling with, you know, doing tours and doing clinics and this and that. And instantly connected with Grubb and uh, great guy. He actually started pushing my riding. At that point, I th it's a little blurry because uh, this is pre-2002. This maybe in 2000 or 2001. And I think, I, you know, I was doing a couple mobs. I had not done a seven. Grubb was driving the boat when I landed my first 720, which is it was a pretty cool thing. Uh, but I'd say Grubb was. And then Murray was the next summer. So did did uh, you have like a pro mentor, somebody that kind of helped show you the ropes as you kind of came into the scene? Yeah, I'm gonna. Yeah, I absolutely did, and that was that was Sh Sean Murray. I mean, on that, uh, you know, on his backyard tour where we were traveling around the southeast, uh, doing these clinics, and being on the water. I basically had a daily audience with one of the best riders and certainly the best coach that's ever existed in the sport. You know, but he was just a buddy. But he's also really good at pushing you, man. If you're a wuss around Murray, it just doesn't, it's not going to beat you up about it. It's not going to be head on the way he presents it to you, but you're, you're going to end up trying the trick that he thinks you can do or he knows you can do. And uh, I really progressed a lot doing that. But 
that was also the summer of 2002. So I was doing the backyard tour with Murray and Gary Morrison. We're traveling around in the Southeast. And about halfway through the season, there's this pro tour stop coming up in Michigan. And, and Murray, Murray's like, and I, I, you know, Murray would leave on the weekends to go to these tournaments and I continued doing the, the clinic stuff, but I would just be watching the results. And, and back in that day, watching the results was like calling somebody from a payphone and seeing what happened, <laughs> but you know, just pick up the cell phone and, you know, every round, like who's doing what, what's happening and just wanting to be there so bad. I remember doing a clinic one day in Kelowna and I compared my run to what the guys were doing. You know, because I was also in a really rough water spot and the thing was going on. I was like, man, I think I, no, I'm not ready to do this. Well, shortly thereafter, we're halfway through the tour season. The Detroit tour stops coming up. And this was a year where the pro tour did something a little bit different. And they said, every tour stop's going to be different. The first stop was rails only. Uh, there was this tournament coming up where instead of being down and back 12 tricks, it was five minutes. So you basically got five passes. And the media, you know, the magazine had been pushing it as anybody can do 10, 12 tricks. Who can do 30? And and they predicted Sean Darren and Parks, you know, and the, the order of that kind of bounced around. You know, maybe Ruck actually, you know, I think there's debate Ruck would win it. You know, it was it was what you'd expect. It was a totally different format and people were kind of excited to see it. And that tournament was coming up and I just kind of thought in the back of my head, I was like, man, I'd, I'd like to try that, but uh. I'm not ready yet. I'm going to go, I'm going to do this at the beginning of 2003. I'm going to start from the beginning of the season and I'll do it then. And we're sitting with Bo Murray one day and he goes, Hey, uh, Detroit's coming up. I said, I know. Yeah. It's a, this was a little over a week out. He goes, he goes, you think you're ready for it? And I go, no, no. I was like, not, not quite. He goes, well, well I do. And that's why I keep in scary to sign you up. So when I say Gary signed me up, Gary Morrison, paid for um, my hotel room, my entry fee, my WWA membership. Uh, this is the sales rep I've been traveling with. He paid for everything. And the guy I was going to be competing against convinced him to do it. You know what I mean? I mean, who else but Murray, you know, would do that. So uh, he paid for all of it. And uh, the Harris family paid for my flight, which was a family I met through coaching in the Southeastern U.S. And, uh, you know, Jackson Harris and Bill Harris, and Lila Harris, and uh, Bill picked up my flight. I told him what was going on. He said, I'm picking up the flight. And I said, I don't know I can pay you back. He's like, why would, why would you pay me back? You know, this is picking up your flight. This is someone I'd coached for a week and got paid a certain amount. And basically he spent that same amount just, just to give me my shot, you know? Uh, but here I found myself in Detroit at the Pro Tour stop. And the day before it, there's an X Games qualifier. There were 90 guys signed up for two spots. There's actually 88, but I like to round up. Never, never let the truth get in the way of a good story, you know? So there are nine, 900 guys signed up for this thing. Uh, now there's 88 people signed up, and it's all... I'm, I'm signing up for a tournament. Shane, Shane Bonifay walks up when I get there. I'm checking in. He goes, hey, man, this is your first one. You know, I'm Shane. What's your name? He just starts, you know, talking to me, bro. Now I was like, man, that was really cool. That always stick with me. Shane was the first person. I, I met Murray and Grubb and spent time with them. But when I just walked up, sight unseen some new Jack at a wakeboard contest signing the sheets and Shane went out of his way, made a detour over and uh, came and introduced himself. Um, but so I met this tournament. I'm at the X games qualifier, 88 people. I mean, Josh Sanders, uh, only the guys who had won events that year were already qualified. So, I mean, it was, it was the dudes at that point. I mean, and I think they only took 12 or 15 people, but here they were taking two more. And I get there. And I'm like, well, this would be good practice for the tour stop. I was just there just to 
practice for the tour stop. And I'd never hit a rail behind a boat at that point. And <laughs> I'll get to that. But so I'm just like, oh, this would be good rail practice. Cool. And the first rail I ever hit behind the boat went over a Ford Ranger truck. So that was a bit of a, you know, steep entry fee there. But uh, so I go to this, this qualifier and it's the entire day and they kind of break it down through the rounds and, and I ended up winning the qualifier and Josh Sanders got second in it. And I'm like, that was weird. I mean, I showed up on Thursday. That was Friday. I'm like, huh. I was like, I'm not even supposed to be here. Why did I? Okay. I was like, that must've just been so, a, been a so you just qualify for the X I just qualify for the X first tournament. Yeah. I showed up to a place that I didn't even think I was really supposed to be there and I qualified for the X games and it didn't even really sink in. I'm like, it was bizarre. I, I, it didn't register. It honestly didn't register. And I'm like, oh, the pro tour is coming up. Like, that's, you know, we'll see what, oh gosh, I don't want to embarrass myself. So how did you do Saturday? Well, and again, this was the tournament that had been built up by the media as the best of the best are going to shine. Sean, Parks, Ruck, Darren, you know, the list goes on. Uh, the Aussies, uh, you know, these are the guys that do well and it's going to separate the pack. So Saturday I qualify through. I'm winning heats. I'm winning heats and I'm just like, this is bizarre. Eventually, these guys are going to realize I'm not supposed to be here any round now. Make it to the final. Back in those days, it was a 10-man final. And I get out there and, and Murray comes down the dock and says something. He's like, nothing to lose. I was like, go for it. And I'd, I think I'd made a transfer and practice, but I'd only made one transfer. And then I was like, okay, great. And I went for it and I stood my five-minute pass. And uh, I came out of it in fourth place behind, in this order, Sean Murray, Darren Shapiro, and Parks Bonifay, and then myself, and then Ruck. And I was just as shocked as the rest of the wakeboarding world. In fact, I was like, people are going to realize that wasn't supposed to happen. But I showed up on a Thursday as a kid who shouldn't have been there and left, lined up with the best of the best. It's an inspiring story. I mean, no doubt. Unfortunately, that's going to be my best story of the podcast. Oh. <laughs> Not true. Um. Moving forward that season, though, you must have had a few other uh, standout moments because you did win Rookie of the Year, and you said already mm -hmm. earlier that you only rode half the events that season. Yeah, I I, uh, I did have a another fourth-place finish at another event. How did Is you it, do at X Games? Those judges. And I can <laughs> say this now that I'm a judge. Those judges are great guys. Uh, I, <laughs> You know what? It's not the judges at all. I, I crashed and I crashed hard. In fact, here's how here's how I rate my X Games experience in my first one. I made every time the X Games clicked on that year, my crash was on the highlight reel. So anytime they came back from a commercial break, you saw me wakeboarding the X Games. Uh, wakeboarding for a split second. Most of it was me tumbling and almost really getting worked on the uh, slaughter box. It was known at that time. But I, what happened basically in, in my I made it through the first round, but just barely. But after this crash, I was just shaken up and got beat up on by, I think, well, Brett Eisenhower and Josh Sanders went into the finals ahead of me. It's fun, Man, that's years ago, 2002, and I still you know, remember exactly how the order ended up. That had to be an amazing day. I mean, the X oh. Games, your first season, not yeah. supposed to be there. I, and I, I couldn't afford the plane ticket. I drove up from Panama City, Florida. No way. <laughs> yeah, true oh, story. That was when it was in Rhode Island, though, right? Uh, it was Philadelphia. Philadelphia. Schuylkill River. Gotcha. And I, I drove up and, and yeah, so I got worked on the slaughter box. I, I, a transfer box is a ramp basically to a rail. But there's this gap between the rail and the supports for the rail. And I stuck the nose of the board in there and it pitched me over the front so incredibly hard and snapped off the front of the board and I tumbled down the rail. I don't even think I had a bruise, but it looked like I 
I wasn't going to finish that tournament out. Hence, <laughs> hence the name Slaughterbox. <laughs> so I was known as the Slaughterbox. Due to insurance reasons, though, I do believe they've changed the name of some of the rails in our industry. <laughs> and I don't... Now, now we have a flat bar. Yes, the flat bar feature. <laughs> flat bar feature, that's yes, right. Yes, exactly. Presented by. Exactly. <laughs> Quick break in the action, guys. I want to mention Performance Ski and Surf in Orlando, Florida. If you're not familiar with Performance Ski and Surf, you should be. Wakeboards, skates, surfers, and skis, along with all the accessories. New and closeout models are always available. Right now, they have a huge selection of winter gear from snowboards to anything you need to get on the mountain this winter. Plenty of deals to be had, and since the weather is a bit cold right now, mention my name and the Golden Mike podcast when you stop in or order online for a special 15% off all wetsuits check them out next time you visit orlando or online at perfski.com thanks again to performance ski and surf for their generous support and now back to the golden mike podcast with special guest the all-american andrew atkinson so when exactly did you move to orlando was that around 2002 yeah that was the end of 2000 uh murray you gave me this incredible gift of I guess believing in myself that I was, you know, able able to able to do this thing on a wakeboard and had to go of it, invited me to move in. And I had a couple couple good finishes. I, you know, I think I finished well at the US Open, the very actually the the Sunday night of the US Open. I think I finished just off the podium. That was the one Tino came out of nowhere and also sure. you know, won that. And everybody was yeah. like, Who are the who are these new jacks? What are these guys doing? But uh that night, the end of the two thousand two season in October, you know, Murray gave me his address. He's like, Come check it out and move in if you Think you're gonna like it? I'm like, dude, this could be a tent. I'm off, I'm, I'm moving in. You know, are you kidding me? This is the coolest thing ever. But I'm like, yeah, cool. I'll come check out the house. And I uh, drive from that tournament, go uh, check out Murray's house, and three days after the season has ended, I'm moving my stuff into Sean Murray's house. What like your folks, your parents? Like, how much involvement did they have within within your career? Were they were they at the contests at first? They loved it. It was a it was a random thing though. It wasn't my parents weren't into. To water sports. I mean, sure, they'd skied. They we had water skis and you know, tube and a kneeboard. Uh there was a moment in my life where my dad was like, You seem to be liking this wakeboard thing. Are you are you done with a kneeboard? And I'm like, No, Dad, I'm not why would I quit that? Are you kidding me? And that, you know, I think I've done it two times since. But <laughs> but uh no, my parents it was so new and so but so different too. They kind of didn't know what it was. They showed up to a wakeboard tournament and realized it was a really cool, nice and like you know, the right kind of lifestyle kind of crowd. And they're like, okay, we'll let him do this. But they weren't supporting it, you know, fiscally. But I mean, emotionally they were, you know, I'd come back and be like, what's up? I got third in intermediate division. Like I'm doing this thing. So your parents were never yelling at the judges telling them. Oh no. <laughs> oh gosh, no. Gosh, no. I mean, they would, you know, you know, a, a year after an event, but like, you know, I thought you rode, I thought you rode better and you got credit for, it. I don't mean to say that, you know, a year later, I'm like, mom, uh, she also thinks I've won every tournament, and I, I have to agree with her. Um, but uh, no, <laughs> just kidding. What's it? But, what's it like for you now? You've got well, all these new parents, probably who are probably uh, hounding you. Let me let me get to that. Yeah. Uh, my, you know, my parents are very supportive, emotionally supportive. I mean, they were like, "This is so awesome! It's so cool! Do it!" And in fact, I come from a very educated family. I think the guy with the dunce cap has a master somewhere in my family, like a second cousin once removed. You know, and you know, and I had to go to this family, I had a full academic scholarship. Uh, and I had to go and say, hey guys, you know what? 
I mean, my my grandparents were professors at colleges. I mean, my grandparents had degrees, all that. I'm like, I'm going to uh, stop school. This is before online classes. You couldn't do both. And now I think absolutely guys chasing this should do both if it uh, makes sense for them. Uh, but I went to this family. I was like, hey, guys, I'm, I'm going to. And it's like at our annual family reunion, Beach Week, which we do, Fourth of July week on the beach, which is awesome. But I, I went to him and I mean, real nervous. Like I'm trying to plan this out, but really just comes out. I'm going to quit school at Wakeboard, you know? And they're, they're like, my grandma was the first one to speak up. She's like, great. We're glad you finally made up your mind. You were killing yourself trying to do both. This is awesome. You know? And it was, they, they have absolutely embraced it, even though none of us fully understood it. Like when I qualified for the X Games, uh, you know, my parents would drive over to, to Pensacola for the, some of the local tournaments that went on there. And when I said, I qualify for the X Games, my mom was like, oh, can we come? I was like, absolutely. That'd be awesome. They're like, is it, is it in Pensacola? And I'm like, no, it's in Philadelphia. They're like, well, how, you know, how, what, how are you going to get there? I was like, I think I'm going to drive. Like I budgeted it out and I got paid from that tournament in Detroit. <laughs> wow. You got paid. That's interesting. Uh, and they're like, well, gosh, I guess we can't watch. I'm like, well, you can, it's on, you can turn on the TV. And they're just like, what? I'm like, no, it'll, it'll be on one of the major stations. You just have to turn it on. And they're like, really? You're messing with us, right? I mean, it was this whole, you know, they, they thought the X Games was in Pensacola an hour from us. And they had no clue it was a nationally televised thing. They're totally supportive of it. They're all like, you know, kind of looking around at each other like, oh, this is this is a pretty cool thing. You know, so I think it 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 clicked for them as we went. But they were entirely supportive, even when they thought I was, it, went, it was just a hobby, you know? So right. they knew it was something I, I loved. So they were about it. That's very cool. You, you know, nowadays... And I appreciate it. And my parents were very involved in, in you know, in all everything that I did growing up within Toad Water Sports and all the tournaments I went to. But nowadays, you got a lot of parents who are soccer parents and maybe get a little too involved here and there. Uh, and, and that's kind of where I was getting with the with what I was asking you there. Uh, as, as the rep for CWB, you're probably having to deal with a lot of... Uh, a lot of parents maybe who don't know the boundaries. And I think that's just a, a, a people thing. No matter where you put a large sampling of people in, you're going to have, you're going to have some of that, you know, and maybe there's a fine balance behind a parent really pushing to where they're doing good things. And it's a, it's a fine line to where it's, that's an unforeseen line that when you cross it, it's maybe not helping anybody. Yeah, exactly. But you run into that in, in anything. Sure. But uh, on occasion, on occasion, on yeah. occasion you'll see that. You're you're good. You're good at putting that smile on your face and just smiling and nodding and letting it go, huh? Yeah, yeah. I mean, absolutely. And you know, I, I'm pretty man. I'm, I'm really enjoying my current state in Wake, which is kind of rolling up a number of things, which is competing, cherry picking some of the pro events I'd like to do, and that's man. I absolutely still love that. Unfortunately, I can still hit my tricks, uh, and it's still learning too. Man, I just have this new fire when I had when I was forced to sit on the bench for 10 months I mean really seven months where I couldn't ride a wakeboard that was by far the longest I'd ever gone in my entire life since I'd ever tried it you know and it's just this whole new appreciation and and, and fire and stuff to get out there that was already there but it really just kind of kicked it in gear but uh, you know I'm in this fortunate position to kind of do a number of roles uh, where it's where it's repping competing at pro events i get to you know judge the events i get to score the events which is incredibly rewarding for me i mean i i take it just as seriously when i'm when i'm judging these guys as if i was competing 
You know, I've I've been there when it came down to this what what the guys in the boat thought. But I am so incredibly impressed with the crew they have, judging how analytical they are and how absolutely I mean these guys these guys are good. Uh, and and to kind of be doing all those roles together and compounding, I, I have run into some of that stuff that you, that you mentioned. But uh, you know, from what I've seen, what I've dealt with personally is, you know, if you just if you just talk to people, they'll they'll talk. You know, they'll talk with you as well. Yeah, and, you know, kind of all all doing the same thing, and everybody tends to mellow out, even if they do. Uh, you know, get a bit overzealous at times. We're all passionate about it. So, Andrew, like over a decade now, you've been so consistent. So many events, year after year, you come out, you stand up your runs. The new the new crew of uh, uh, riders they come up, the old guys leave. You've been a constant for twelve, thirteen, fourteen years now. Uh, as far as competition standings and results go, I mean, you've you've consistently stayed top five, top ten. Um, what are you most proud of as far as as far as contest results go? Which events? Man, that's 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 tough. Uh, it's tough to kind of pick what I'm most proud of. I think competitively, what I will be most proud of is still something that hasn't happened yet, and that's the the precedence for at what age you can still be competitive in the sport is still being set. And people not, may not realize it, but I'm a part of setting that precedence. I mean, I, I, I'll show up to an event. People say, Oh, do you still wakeboard? I'm like, you know, I did win the first event I came back from after my knee surgery. And it was a B plus level event. You know, we didn't have Harley there. We didn't have Phil there, but we had some amazing riders that are on pro podiums there. Um, and I think what I will be most proud of is that I think the sports in its infancy, really. And that's why that precedence isn't there because there just hasn't been somebody that maybe wanted to stay a part of uh, competitions that long. Obviously, Murray could show up to any event and get top ten. And now Darren has been yeah, riding sure. again, and although he didn't, he his goal was to get top ten last year. I think he got like eleven or twelve on on the pro tour. He, but he was right there, and I was injured sitting in the you know sitting. I was injured, so I was in the boat judging Darren every time. And let me tell you, in his qualifying rounds. If he did what he did in his qualifying rounds, that semifinal rounds, he would have waltzed into the top 10 position. I mean, waltzed, but he just had some falls that were poorly timed. On the sure. tricks, he hit the round before every single time. I mean, I mean, it was that was awesome to see Darren back out there. But uh, I think, gosh, what I was most proud of is, is where it's still heading. There's still events. I'm going to do the entire WWA World Series this year. Uh, not sure I'm going to fund it yet, but that's going to be I'll you know, see that's you part there. of the adventure. You know? I'll yeah. see you there. Good. Are you going to those? Oh, yeah. What? That's so exciting. Yeah. Have you yeah. been to... Some of those before? Uh, no, I, I'm not going to Brazil. I'm going mm. to um, Tokyo. From, I'm going from what I understand. I'm going to Tokyo. Oh my gosh! Going to Portugal. I'm going to Canada for uh, the Malibu Rider Experience, like Cancun. Oh my gosh! You're absolutely gonna, man. Yeah, I'm excited. You're, you, you're gonna you're gonna have the same experience we all had when we first started on the World Series back in '04. Gosh, my my first pro win was actually in Tokyo at the WWA World Series event. 2004 and later that year the uh, world championship uh but we are all there just kind of standing there like we're here because we do flips on pieces of fiberglass really like it was just so surreal like man you're gonna be standing there and you used to be like this is something this is something i'm part of it, it kind of puts it in perspective and totally blows that perspective out of the water too it's uh hey i'm so glad we're going back there and i'm uh, the one thing i do know that i'm making it uh entirely to this year is the wwa world series very cool. Yeah, well, definitely looking forward to all those events. And how do you how do you see yourself 
uh, on the water comparing to the likes of Harley, uh, Harley Clifford and Rusty and Phil and Shota and Massey. I think those are a Tony Iacone. These are some of the big names. Mike Dowdy making his return. I mean, are you going to be able to compete against these guys this summer or what? I actually haven't. I've, you know, took last season off, so I haven't, I haven't even like heard any of any of those guys. So I'm not really worried about them or anything. Yeah, you might want to. You might want to Google. Dude, those. <laughs> it's worth a Google. Yeah. Uh, yeah. No, man, those guys are great. And you, and you know what's cool though? We'll go to events, and if I lay in my run, Harley and Rusty are just as excited as I am to see me go out there and and put it down. You know, those guys are. Uh, you know, it's going to be fun competing with and against those guys. And of all those names you listed, there's only one that I haven't beaten when we both stood up, and within recent history, and that's Harley. So he just about in the league of his own. Just about. Yeah, I cannot wait to see what he's going to bring to the table this year. I mean, he... well, with Rusty still progressing, Corey Tunis and Dowdy, oh, yeah. Dowdy's back this season. Whew, this is going to be exciting. Yeah, so, this is going to be a good year. I'm, I'm, I'm so happy to still be the announcer. <laughs> oh my gosh, it's, I, I'm, man, I'm so incredibly excited for this season. I feel like it's my first season. You know, forced, forced out for a year because of injury, as far as you know, competitive side of it. But to come back and kind of get that same feeling that I had in 2002, where it's Every event kind of has to fund the next one. You know, right. every little thing I do in between has to has to really pay for that next one. But that's that's not a stressful spot for me to be. It right. worked before, and it kind of has me reconnecting in this part of the sport that I really loved before, and that was just scrapping for any bit of forward momentum. When you got it, it was more than just a need. I had a good finish. It's you know? the lavish lifestyle of wakeboarding, right? <laughs> so lav, so lav. Did you say lavish? <laughs> yeah, lavish. Um, uh. Who who are your, who are your favorite guys on the CWB Pro team right now? I'm not even answering your questions, man. Have you noticed I'm that, just talking about whatever I want to talk about? Yeah, no, this so, is good. This is good. <laughs> I love it. But uh, they you, all do. But I, I I left off part of that answer. Oh, um, then go back to it. Let me back up. This is the beautiful thing about podcasts is that we've got an hour or two hours. I love it. You go three hours right, if you want, Andrew. Ride. Let's do it. All right. <laughs> let's uh. I'm a bit competitive, so maybe we'll go for a new record here. Maybe we'll yeah, three this, hours. I don't this know. is your night. Everybody just is considering turning it off. We're so, not going to be three hours. Yes. Good. Uh, and if we are, we're going to edit it down. <laughs> I promise you that. Oh, editors hate me. Keep them busy. Um, you know, I'm wor- I, I'm worried about all the competing against any of those guys, but I'm also excited to watch them. You know, I went out in Cancun last year at the World Series at the end of the season and stood up kind of my hardest competitive pass I'd ever put together. And I think everybody was like, huh, okay. Andrew's Andrew's back. He's good. And I I beat some of the guys in the first round that I didn't expect to see my name ahead of them on the charts, you know, ever again. And granted, that was just the first round. And one of those guys the next round thoroughly, you know, beat me. But uh, I was like, man, I'm still relevant. I'm still part of this. But I didn't think, you know, New guys to the to the pro scene like Corey Tunison. I mean, throw throw him in the mix too. Like this is gonna be exciting. But all those guys. I think my thing is I'm a, I'm a threat for a podium. Um, and I I grew up riding behind everything that I could. So if we get to some conditions that are sketchy, maybe the water's shallow, so we have a smaller wake. I I'm I'm pretty versatile, and I think that's what helps me. I'm gonna hit my run even in those conditions, and. Uh, I think that that levels the playing field, so to speak. I mean, you put me on a perfectly glassy wake with a Harley Rusty, a Corey Tunis, any of those names. It's a fairly long list, and it's uh, it's it, it's tough. It's pretty amazing what they're doing. You'll be able to stand up your run. Oh, right. 
Right, and I can edge, edge a number of those guys out, but they have they have the the they basically if, you know they have stuff that I can't cover up. Sure. Yeah. Um, but you throw variation, you know, of the conditions, variation of the conditions in the mix, and I'm very much in play at any event. If I was, a, I, you know, I know if I was able to make it to all the events, I would very, I would very comfortably be in a top five overall position. That's a big statement. Right. Well, it's true. You people are scoffing right now, but I mean, it's part of just being there and being consistent, not when the conditions are, are perfect. You prove it every well year. As... Every year that I've watched you, you proved it. I mean, you. You come out, you get into the finals, and you stand up. And that's and that's really what it takes. You know, that's what being a pro rider is all about. You gotta stand up. It doesn't matter what the conditions, it doesn't matter what the boat. If there's people paying for for tickets at the door, they don't wanna see people falling over. They wanna see True. people stand up and they wanna see the hard tricks. And you do you do a mix of both, of course. And I have one new hard trick for this year that's gonna be contest consistent. Are you keeping it secret or are you gonna Oh yeah. You're not going uh, to It's triple it. indie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I'm going to, yeah. A triple indie? Uh, triple lindy. Oh, triple lindy. That's the triple flip. <laughs> no, we'll see if I, I, we'll see if I can't uh, bring that one to the show at, a, at an event this year. All right. Well, this, this episode, I think, uh, posts April 1st in the wake. And uh, we got a Nautique event in Waco mm-hmm. happening mid-April, so... I'll be sure to let everybody listening know exactly what that trick is once you drop it. I just got anxious just then because it's, you know, it's, it's consistent-ish. <laughs> it, yeah, but you still got weeks. You got a week. I got weeks. So too easy. Let's. What do you say? Can we talk about some of your teammates? Yeah, absolutely. Okay, right now, CWB Pro Team. Gosh. Who are your favorite guys? Really, all of them except for Daniel Powers are really great people. I mean, they're like, <laughs> I'm just kidding, Daniel. Daniel's my boy. Daniel is sitting in the airplane seat next to me every single international trip I've done for the last five years. He's one of my good buddies and one of the funniest people I know. But, you know, everybody on that team is a buddy. I mean, it's just the coolest group of, of people. Uh, and, man, to have ridden on that team for the amount of time that I have and, and to rep, you know, for them, it's a pretty great thing. But, gosh, you got Twelker, who, man, Twelker's another guy. Every time I watch him ride, I'm like, Okay, he wakeboards. We all do something different. Like what he, I mean, it's just, man, he's unbelievable. I mean, just every trick he does is uniquely his. Uh, that's, that's a rare thing. Of course, Mike Mike Dowdy, a lot of the tricks he does are uniquely his too, because nobody else has tried them. Uh, you know, it, but but these guys, I mean, I could talk about their riding, and that's easy. I mean, it's it, it stands that obviously all these guys are unbelievable on a board, but. Honestly, that's that's not even half of it with these dudes. They are some of the funniest, kindest, just most genuine dudes I know. And girls as well. I mean, we got Will Christian and Nicola Butler, and these are people I've had the good fortune to travel with and, and spend time with and be friends with for better part of a decade, if not over a decade with some of them. And they're just, they're all friends, and we all just kind of feel pretty fortunate to all be part of this thing. Yeah, no doubt. It's like a family. Completely. Yeah. Yeah. So, okay. So that's, that's the current team. What about prospects, upcoming riders that, um, you yourself or that CWB as a whole has been supporting? One name that comes to mind is I saw over the weekend, James Loisel is riding on CWB boards right now. Are there, that kid's going to be really good. Yeah. He has a huge amount of tricks. I was, you know, I was at the, uh, 
Do we see him in the gravel tour in the pro car qualifier? Just the gravel just, tour. Oh, because he's going to ride junior pro. Yep. And nice guy too. And he, you know, I was, I watched him in the gravel tour. I was like, gosh, I'm kind of glad I'm not in his heat right now. I mean, he really threw it down. And, and he was, even last season, I watched him really consistently stand up and stand up some hard stuff, but he is a really good rider, but really it's going to come down to his sense of humor, you know, riding, like I said, I mean, cool. You can ride a wakeboard, you know? Let's uh, we'll see how his joke game is. Yeah, right. There. <laughs> it's the it's the uh, uh, it's the off water presence That's right. that you're really looking for That's in, it, in a rider. Uh, very cool. Um, top three places to go spring break Panama City Beach. Top three places to go real quick. Fire them off. Ooh. Okay. Can I give couple. you a nineteen-year-old perspective and a thirty-ish perspective? That's six places. So let's break it in half. <laughs> Shoot three. Let's do it. Say, well, wait. Actually, you now, know what? In Panama City Beach. Be, you could be 19 or 26, it seems like. You still get into the same places. <laughs> I just have to, I just can't yell spring break 08. Spring yeah. break 08, I mean uh, 15, dang it. Uh, uh, gosh, you know, now I'd, I'd stick towards the 38 quadrant during uh, during spring break because it gets PCB. a little hectic on PCB. And PCB, technically 38 runs through Panama City Beach too, but I'm more talking, you know, some of the stuff a little west of us, but. What are you, a Vila guy? Oh, you I, I play golf with that guy, so I'm going to say yes. I great place, <laughs> great golfer. <laughs> um, but man, Sharkies is a great spot. They put on some good concerts. They have some uh, really amazing acts come in. They really pack out and they do a good job. You know, you get a quarter million to three hundred thousand college students there for a week. You know, they're there. They're there to uh, have a spring break. And they do a really good job of putting on great events, but also you know your statistics. You know your statistics, double A. Well, you know there may be some coaching going on up there, trying to get going. So yeah, I know, I know my town. I do. Uh, man, Sharkies is a great place. There really are a lot of great places, and and even during spring break, I I still went out. I went out to the state park this week. Oh, here's any time of year, spring break, anything. St. Andrews State Park, one of the best places on the face of this earth. Let me make this a little easier for you. Top three places to meet ladies, spring break, PCB. Oh, that's all you had to say. Well, you got newbies and newbies too. You can kind of combine those into one or keep them two. Sharkies is great. What about that Spinnaker nightclub? Did, it, you know, I want to bash on it, but under the context of which you ask the question, yeah, that's a, that's a decent place too. Didn't uh, you and I go to Spinnaker, Spinnaker nightclub one night or did you just drop me off at the door and say, I got to get out of here? <sighs> Could have gone either way. Yeah. Depends on... I. I, th I think I went in though. I think I dropped. I think I said I'm gonna drop you off, and then I parked. You're like, well, where are you parking? I'm like, well, maybe I'll check it out for a second. <laughs> Let me make this question a little easier for you. Top three places to stay away from spring break: PCB, Panama City Beach. Honestly, don't stay away from Panama City Beach, man. It is a, it's a great place. And if people are coming there for spring break, I mean, they're coming there for a reason, man. And they, you know, I think they, you got every option there. I would, uh, I totally skirted that answer. Just high five Panama City Beach, didn't I? I know what you're, I know what you're doing. It's I know what PCB. you're doing right now. Yeah, you're, right. you're doing what I like to call, you're giving your, your home city the stroke, which isn't a bad thing. Hey man, I, I do love that place. And apparently a lot of other people do too. So yeah. What, what exactly? How many? 300,000 to what? It's, it's a, a, it's certainly a quarter million, uh, new people a week. For about six weeks during spring break. Yeah. And during our tourist season, we actually expected last year to hit, like, I'm just firing off stats, uh, expected to get 9 million people or something. And it was upwards of, it was over 12 million. I you, mean, you know, these stats because you 
have run wakeboard schools and whatnot and worked very closely with the community and I'm sure with uh, with officials in Panama City over the that, years. And, and that's exactly it. And there's a, there's a lot of interest in getting a cable park going there. Right. I think it starts, that starts with me stepping up the presence of, of my school and my coaching up there, you know. Uh, coach rep and ride kind of roll those three together and you Boom. really have something they're all kind of compound uh, you know kind of compound together but but yeah that's exactly it i, I love that community so i'm tapped into it and, and i work with the the people that uh are about bringing healthy things to the area and good things to the area and so we've, we've had those conversations yeah but. it's a beautiful thing man hey i've read and i've heard you say this also many times that you will still likely be competing at 65 to 70 years old <laughs> Uh, you you always say it sort of jokingly, but I always hear a little bit of an undertone, which almost sounds for real. Do you do you really believe you're going to be competing when you're getting elder? Well, probably at table tennis. I probably I mean definitely at table tennis. But uh, but man, I the thing is, Harry, I'm 27 years old. There's an asterisk by that 27. Um, and man, I love it. Just as much as, as I did when I was 14 years old. I mean, I really do. And I enjoy going to the competitions. And what's even better now, and what takes a bit of pressure off, is I show up to a competition and I don't have to get first place for it to be a success. If I make top five, that's a success. If I get on the podium, that's a win. Uh, man, if I make the final, that's you've done some work. I mean, you have done something to make a pro final these days. And, and I'm still very capable of those. But the thing is, I... I still enjoy it. Even the ones where I get bumped and, and don't make a final. Man, we're surrounded by so many good people in this industry, and not just the riders, but the people that are from propping up the tents to to running, running the show to the guys at the WWA to all of it. It's just great to be there. So I will be at wakeboard competitions and involved in this, certainly at that age. But I, I mean, I probably won't compete anything past about probably 61, 62 if we're being realistic here. <laughs> well, it's good to know. Yeah. <laughs> you really are going for that record. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah it's certainly, certainly in the five, in the next five years, I'll still be pick, cherry picking events and going to the ones I, I really enjoy competing in. Good. As long, as long as you can do it, you might as well. And that's what, you know, going, I know that this isn't about Darren, this, this episode's about you, but that's to me, what's so good and cool is to see Darren Shapiro back and showing that, Hey, this guy late thirties, early forties still has it. You know, man, he was, you know, I think that's relevant to keep bringing up Darren. He was setting the standard when I, you know, first discovered what a wakeboard was. And he really is in a position to keep doing that as far as, you know, how long can you be competitive? So absolutely. And I, and I like <sighs> his new take on it too. I just realized. Yeah. And got a little stressed out. I have to compete against Darren this year. That's been a little while. That's not a guy you want in your heat. Yeah. You know? Yeah, definitely. it was real fun when I was judging him. Now I got to compete against him. That's gonna be something. Yeah, he's he's got a different competitive attitude though nowadays compared oh, he, to back in the day. He's I, I, so I, much more mellow, and I think it's the same as mine. He's it seems like he's there because his kid thinks it's cool. But yeah. he's but he also when you put him on the water, he plays for keeps. I mean, there's nobody going as big. Yeah, you know, and I like I do like, you know, I know in Seattle he was a little frustrated with his results. At Pro Wakeboard Tour, and understandably, I I don't understand much because all I do is I watch, and everybody's the best to me. But I can understand him, you know, being a little frustrated for some reason or another. But you know, he he got past it. He got past it 
really quick. You know, where back in the day, I mean, I wouldn't have even approached Darren for a week after the contest if if that would have happened. Yeah, it's. I mean, it sounds like it's still affecting him. He's a competitor. Yeah, you know, and he and he's and he's good. Uh, but yeah, it's uh, gosh, you know, it's yeah. Even though you're competing against him, you're excited to see Darren. I'm gonna be excited to see. Even though I'll be competing against him, I'll be excited to see Darren on the dock, uh, next to me. You know, this season. Yeah, it's always whereas cool. I, whereas I think a number of years ago, that was a, you know, bit of an anxious moment. Yeah, no doubt, no doubt. Hey, so just a couple more things here. You, from from what I understand, you're working on a committee. We're pretty close with a committee, uh, to help try and get wakeboarding in the Olympics. Is my right with that i mean that's that's part of it i'm the athlete advisor for water ski and wakeboard to the united states olympic committee uh we are we are in the pan-american games and so is water skiing three event um and and that's a really really incredible thing to be a part of and i competed in the pan-american games four years ago and daniel powers is going this year which i'm really happy for him uh i wasn't able to make it to that qualifier look at Look at me throwing it in asterisk here, just <laughs> and, and had I, uh, you know, Daniel very well may still be going to the Pan American Games, but that's going to be a an experience for him. So we are a Pan American sport, um, but that's basically I'm the representative for water skiing wakeboard when those meetings are going on, and I, you know, I have our voice for our sports and and. And sit in those meetings, which are really incredible. I mean, so you gosh. obviously think wakeboarding should be in the Olympics. You know, the, it's why not take this thing any and every direction that that we can to grow it. You know, um, it's 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 going to be interesting. You know, we're on their radar. You know, what's, we made what's the, the holdup? Well, we made the short list prior for the 2020 games, which got voted on in 2014. Um, they took wrestling out. Apparently wrestling's been around for a while. Uh, they brought other other potential sports in and including softball and I even think baseball and, and you know golf and a number of other things. And we made this short list uh, and we actually got in about the number three spot on that short list, but then they ended up bringing wrestling uh, back in. Uh, which which obviously made sense, and and that's kind of those things that happens every once. Did the rock come in and layeth the smacketh down? The rock came in and put the smack down. So what are you gonna do? You know. <laughs> and uh, I think we're talking about a little bit of a different kind we of were, wrestling. That would be so great if Rock was in the Olympics. But um, really, what what the issue was is it wasn't accessible. What what it is is <laughs> basically said what it was was it wasn't accessible in a. Uh, at a high level in enough countries. Um, but cable parks are kind of changing that scenery. There's a cable park somewhere in this world going up one on average of one a day, uh, whether it's a full size or a two tower, which is incredible. And so it takes down that financial barrier to entry, which, which stood in my way. Um, and now kind of takes it out of the equation in a lot of places. You know, these, these things are popping up all over the world and now they are becoming, you know, more of a more of a global presence and that was what stood in our way that was completely i mean some of the great things we have going for us it's fun to watch it makes good tv it's you know it's it's a youthful sport you know 
Kids can do it, connect with it, like snowboarding, you know? It's a family sport. It's a family sport. All those good, you know, all those things. Uh, our, the adaptive division in wakeboarding is huge. In the, in the Pan American Games and, the, you know, uh, or the, the, the Paralympic and Para Pan Am stuff is huge. And it's amazing to watch. And the U.S. did pretty solid in that. I don't know if you noticed that the last uh, Olympic go-around, the last quadril. But uh, a, lot, a lot of the people that, that I've met in other sports in the Olympics on this athlete advisory committee that uh, are on the para side of things, their first thing they did coming back from an injury, and a lot of them were, were Olympians uh, prior, uh, had, a, had an injury and then were Paralympians. And a lot, it seems like 90% of them, the first thing they did was water sports, some sort of skiing, some sort of, you know, sitboarding or something. And it's really cool. So we have a lot of really good things going for us, but it's, uh, you know, it's, uh, It'll be exciting to see. Will wakeboarding make it to the Olympics? Do you think? I, you know, I think it has. It has everything they're looking for. So sure. Very cool. Yeah, I, I hope I hope it does, and I hope I get to announce it. Yeah, and you know, there, and there's two sides of that. Is that selfish of me? No, <laughs> no. I hope I can co-announce with it. That'd be, you got to just get, you got to get up on the microphone with me at one of these events if if you want to do that. That's a good point, I guess. <laughs> but between your uh, repping CWB, judging, uh, scorekeeping, and wakeboarding, yeah, you you might be able I'm to a take, little busy. You might be able to take over Mike Ferraro's spot as the hardest working man in the industry. Oh, he does work. There's a lot a lot of a lot of people do work in this biz or in this thing. Um, but uh, you know what? I, they won't let me judge myself at these pro events. So apparently once I compete in, they're not going to let me judge, which is a bit disappointing. Yeah, that's BS. Yes, I was a level the playing field. I know. Jeez. I always want to announce my run when I'm, when I'm out on the water, <laughs> personally, in, in water ski tournaments, yeah. of course. Uh, Andrew, I think, I think we got some good stuff here today, unless there's something that we've missed or you want to touch back on. Uh, mostly high school football rules. That's, okay, that's pretty much it. We'll get to that next time. Uh, I want to give you a few moments before we uh, before we finish this off to say hello to your sponsors and fans and let everybody know your social media so that they can be up all in your business and uh, you know any 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 love you want to give out. No doubt, no doubt. I would, yeah. You know, CWB has been there since the start for me. So of course, CWB and Conley CWB and 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 not just thanking the brand, but all the people that are part of making that happen. And now that I am more integrally a part of that as a, just a guy who does flips for him, uh, you know, that, that extends to all the dealers and all that too, man. There's, there's a, there's an unbelievable amount of people who are just as passionate about this as I am. Uh, so of course, CWB, you know, Mastercraft have a good thing going with them and, uh, CNC Boatworks and Brad Nelson, the Nelson family, and really the entire crew up there at the shop, Jimmy and, all those guys and Jimmy's a bit of a golf sponsor for me. He sends me a couple clubs every year. So, uh, you know, the guys at CNC Boatworks, uh, Summit Marine Hydraulic Boat Lifts, they've actually been with me as long as, as long as CWB since 03. And I'm actually now a rep for them as well. So, you know, Jim and Polsky and, and, and Joe, I appreciate you guys doing it and you guys should check out their stuff. I mean, I've used their products and been sponsored by them and, and now helping get their products out there. And it's, uh, good people to be involved with and uh the crew at matus wets is they're uh they're uh pretty great people and that's a pretty exciting thing that i'm just starting to, to rep with as well but uh kept me warm all this winter both surfing and wakeboarding and so uh 
gosh, I could, I could, I could send the thank yous on almost indefinitely, but I'll definitely start with those. But, uh, you know, you can see more of that. I think my primary social media outreach is on Instagram and it's just under my first and last name, which is Andrew Atkinson. And the spelling on that's a little funky, but let's hear that because everybody thinks it's Andrew Adkinson. Yeah, you know, I'll I'll <laughs> I'll uh, call up and give my information over the phone, and I'll tell them there's no N in the middle of my last name. They're like, "There's no N." You sh-? they're like they like doubt me. They're like, "You mean A D K I N S O N?" That's not it. It's uh, A D K I S O N. There it is, Andrew Atkinson. Got it. I'm an announcer though. You told me years ago. You you came up to the booth and you said it's not Atkinson. You said it's Atkinson. And I, that must have been in my also very, very competitive years, if I said it with that tone. Yeah. Hey, man, it's not Atkinson. No, you, you, you were nice about it, <laughs> I'm, I'm sure. You're, you've always been nice about it. <laughs> but, Andrew, man, thanks again for coming out here. This was this was like last minute. You know, I asked you, I, I you've always been somebody I've wanted to have on here, but yeah. we didn't really have a date set, and I asked you two days ago, and you agreed to come on. And Phil Sovin, who I'm staying with when I'm down here in Orlando, he did his best efforts. And JD to uh, you know have me reschedule so we could do some riding today, which was cool of him. But uh, no, man, this is awesome. This is great. I mean, when you told me you you were you were doing this, man, I got excited not just to be a part of it, but just like, man, I'm this is this is good for all of us. This be a cool thing, and I've already cruised through through a few of the episodes instantly. So cool, glad to be here, my man. Can't wait to hear some more of your input. No doubt. All right, guys, there it is, my friend, the All American Double A. Uh-uh. Andrew Atkinson. Now, we're going to hear from a sponsor real quick, and we'll be back to close this thing out here on the Golden Mike Podcast. Am I allowed to talk after we do the closer? Is that... <laughs> yeah, of course. What do you want to talk about? Well, just the fact that my nickname... Yeah? You know, AA the All-American, That that is the nickname. That is what... I mean... My sponsors, my friends, occasionally my parents call me the All-American. They didn't do that before you punted on the microphone in 2004. So that that this podcast cannot happen without mention of that. Yeah. And it's a good one. It's a good one. It's, I'm, it's one that I'm glad it stuck. Well, uh, my wrestling background, well, oh, my yeah. love for wrestling background uh, just organically makes me give almost everybody I come into contact with uh, a some sort of wrestling nickname. We are all better off for it. And I'll tell you what, I can't help but notice that uh, we're recording this when WWE Monday Night Raw is going on. So I know you missed that uh, to make this happen, man. That's uh, not lost on me. appreciate it. it. It's worth it. For me, <laughs> no it's doubt. worth it. For me, it's worth it. <laughs> Very cool. All right, guys, there it is. Andrew Atkinson, the Golden Mike Podcast. Woodrose is a sunglass company based in Central Florida that manufactures frames from wood and other sustainable materials. With an infrastructure built on a passion for action sports, life on the water, and a love for the great outdoors, there's no doubt Woodrose handcrafted wooden and sustainable eyewear will fit your lifestyle. Follow Woodrose on Instagram at Woodrose or check them out online at Woodrose.com. That's W-O-O-D. R-O-Z-E dot com. Andrew has a pretty cool story. He's a humble guy and definitely has had his fair share of hurdles over the years. I hope Double A the best in the world of sales and in the future of his career. I want to mention some of the reasons I personally appreciate Andrew, especially at contests. Andrew knows how to please the crowd, even if he has an off day. Andrew always comes off the water with a smile, he's approachable, 
and he knows when to be a showman and just have some fun. I've always liked announcing for Andrew, and it's still awesome to see him compete, stand up hard tricks, and give some of the young guns a run for the money. We got some great insight from Andrew Atkinson, and hopefully now the listeners feel like they know him as well as I do. Let me know, guys. Send me an email. Your feedback is always welcomed and encouraged. Get in touch with me anytime through email, goldenmike at noiseofthenorth.com, or message me on the Golden Mike Facebook page. Check the website, noiseofthenorth.com. I'm going to be posting a schedule of events that I'll be attending and announcing over the next five to six months. It's going to be a busy summer, a lot of traveling, a little international traveling, and you never know, maybe even some international recording. I'm on Twitter. Follow me at the Dano T Mano and at the Golden underscore Mike on Instagram at Dano T Mano. Now, before we go, a few shout outs to the sponsors and the folks behind the scenes. Thank you to iWake.com, Performance Ski and Surf, PerfSki.com, Hungry Boards, SUP, Woodrow's, Jammy Pack, GoPuck, my friends at Logos That Pop, and Empire Sound and Lighting. Thanks again to my guest, Andrew Atkinson, and that's going to do it for today's show. I appreciate you all for tuning in and listening. I'm the Noise of the North, Dan Alamano, and you can hear me next time once again on the Golden Mike Podcast.